All right, so can you believe we are on our last lesson in the book of Ruth? Hard to imagine, but the good news is that Esther is coming. So tonight we're going to, or today rather, we're going to wrap up Ruth, and then we're going to have fun and food and all kinds of good stuff next week, and then we're going to let you go for the holidays, and we're going to come back together in January, and we're going to start the book of Esther. And Esther will be just as wonderful as Ruth has been for a variety of reasons, um, some of which will overlap what we've already talked about this year. So, but for today, um, Anne, I need my clicker, my, my clicker, clicker. Okay, so today I want you to think, to start off this morning, I want you to think about flying at night, flying in an airplane at night. Thank you very much. And what it looks like when you're flying at night. <clears throat> and I don't know about you, I generally prefer flying during the daytime. I like it when um, the sky is blue, the sun is shining, there's white puffy clouds all around because I can see, which makes me feel better because I'm sure the pilot feels better. <laughs> okay. But, you know, occasionally we are on nighttime flights, and if we're near a city or something, we may see lights that look like this. But they're still very far away, right? Okay, but mostly while we're flying at night, we're just in the dark. And when we're in the dark, the light then has a whole new impact on us because when we begin to see it, it begins to represent safety and security and that we're heading. And especially when the lights are the city where we are about to land, it feels like, okay, I'm, I'm getting there. I'm reaching my destination. And the closer we get, the clearer those lights become. But the really wonderful thing is that the final step is we see the lights on the runway. And those lights are a lot brighter. They're very distinct. They illuminate in the darkness. And I love this picture right here of these runway lights because you can see that if you're the pilot and you're looking at these lights, it's pointing you right straight down a path where you know you need to land. That's exactly what I want you to think of this morning as we talk about this genealogy at the end of the book of Ruth. It is, in fact, a pathway for us. It is something that illuminates and brightens the plan and the path that God has in place all along to bring Jesus to the earth, for him to be born as a man, and to live here as a God-man. And the path of the genealogy directs us safely to him. So we're going to spend some time this morning on that genealogy. We're going to answer two questions. The two questions we're going to answer are the ones that are now up on the screen. First of all, we're just going to summarize what was God doing in the book of Ruth? And then secondly, what is the significance of the fact that the book takes the time? The writer of the book takes the time. And remember... The writers of the books were led by the Holy Spirit to record what they recorded. So what is the significance that the writer of the book of Ruth 
chose to end with this genealogy. All right, <clears throat> so let's answer our first question. What was God doing in the book of Ruth? The first thing he was doing is that he was bringing an outsider, a woman from Moab, and he was bringing her inside to the family of God. This is a huge thing for us because it reinforces the fact that God's plan of salvation was never only a plan for the Jews. It was also a plan for anyone who would believe in him. When Boaz married Ruth, he redeemed her as his wife, and he brought her from outside the Jewish people to inside that community and that nation. It's the very same picture of what God does for us when we believe in Jesus as our Savior and our Lord. He takes us from being outside of his family and he brings us inside. That happened for Ruth because of the grace and the actions of Boaz. It happens for you and me because of the grace and the actions of God through his son, Jesus Christ. It is not done by any work of our own. It is entirely the work of our kinsman redeemer. Ruth became a member of the Israelite community because Boaz was her kinsman redeemer. We become children of God because Jesus is our kinsman redeemer. The second thing God did in the book of Ruth is he secured the birth of a child, a certain child, little Obed. I don't think any of you have named a child Obed recently. However, the, na the name has a wonderful meaning. It means servant. And this boy, this little baby, who would grow to be a man, became the caretaker of Ruth and Naomi, but he would also serve as a very important link in the genealogy that led to Christ. Whatever else Obed did, he did one really huge thing. And here's what it was. He was in the family line that fathered Jesse, who fathered David. And David was a highly significant person in God's plan for all of us. We'll talk about that a little bit more in just a minute. And the interesting thing to me is as we read through this story of Ruth, none of them, not Boaz, not Ruth, not Naomi, not anyone in this community around them understands the significance of the birth of Obed. These are all still just regular folks living in Bethlehem and a baby is born. And the community is happy around them, but they have no idea who this baby will be in the lineage of the one true kinsman redeemer. Now, the last thing that God is doing in the book of Ruth is he showed every single one of us this semester that there is a pathway back from bitterness and disappointment. After all is said and done in this story, what we see is a new Naomi. We see a Naomi that has regained her faith, that has regained the sweetness of her spirit, one who cares genuinely for her daughter-in-law, Ruth, 
and for this new baby boy, Obed. Now, let me just say one other thing here. As women, I think we go through life with a lot of expectations. We grow up with a lot of expectations. My my career will look like this. My husband will look like this. He'll be this tall with brown hair and blue eyes. I'll get married and I'll live in a house that looks like this. Maybe it has a white picket fence. Um, I used to dream when I was a little girl, I grew up with horses. I used to dream I was going to marry a man and we were going to live in a house that had a huge, beautifully fenced in pasture in front of that house full of horses. And I had that expectation for a long time until I actually met my husband and realized that was probably not going to be the case. But my point is that we all go through life with all kinds of expectations. We have expectations about our children. We have expectations about our finances. We have expectations about relationships and friendships. But the reality is that we live in a fallen world and rarely does life meet up to our expectations. It's different. It's oftentimes disappointing. And if we allow those expectations that, are, that have failed in our lives to create bitterness, here's something that we all need to know. God wants to bring you back from that bitterness. He does not want you to stay there. He does not want you, as it says in the book of Hebrews, to allow a bitter root to grow up in your life. So Naomi is an example for us because she has regained in this story all the fullness that comes only from God. And now what Naomi knows is what you and I need to remember. She knows now that God never really left her. He was always present in what was happening for her. And more than likely, the Naomi that we now see at the end of the book of Ruth is probably the Naomi that Ruth first met when she married into the family. A Naomi who had faith in God. A Naomi who had a sweet spirit to care for others. And that is probably the influence that Ruth felt to begin to believe in the one true God. And Obed, the baby who is born, is the final and complete reversal of Naomi's future on earth. Because what he guarantees is that there will always be a male in her life who will speak up for her, who will support her and care for her. He is a gift from the Lord for Naomi and for Ruth. So Boaz has stepped in as kinsman redeemer to provide in an earthly way for Ruth and Naomi, but their eternal future is secured by the God in whom they believe. Now, let's talk about what the significance is of ending with the geology. What does this mean to us in 2023? Well, let me ask you this question first. When is the last time that any of you sat down and you picked up your Bible and you thought, you know, been reading too many other books lately, too much fiction, 
too much self-improvement, too much, too much whatever. I'm going to just read the Bible from page one to the end all the way through, like I read other books. We don't do that very often, do we, if ever. It's why we need plans. It's why people create plans for us to read through the Bible in a year. And part of the reason for that is that if the Bible was printed up in a book, like the other kind of books that we read, it would be at least 3,200 pages long. Now, I don't know about you, but when I see a book that's like six, seven, eight hundred pages, I have to really want to read that book. So what we do instead, even though the Bible contains as much as it does, we typically are studying and reading only a portion of it. And it gives us history and stories and instruction that tells us what we need to do to live the life that God wants us to live. But because it's a lot and we don't often sit down to read cover to cover, there's something about the scripture that we need to know and we need to believe. And we need to be firm on this, okay? Remember this when you leave here today. There is a profound principle about the scripture that needs to be settled in our minds. And here it is. The Bible is one story, start to finish. It isn't a book made up of lots of stories about lots of different people that we're just supposed to read individually and take them at face value of what that story tells us. It is a book with one theme, and that theme is pervasive from Genesis to Revelation. And the reason why we need to be convinced of this is because the theme and the story of Scripture is the theme of redemption through our Lord Jesus Christ. It's the only theme that matters as we read through all these books. The Word tells us that Christ existed from the beginning. He was present at creation. It was always God's design that Jesus would come. It was always his design that Jesus would be the final kinsman redeemer for men and women. And it was always God's intent that he would have a relationship with those who believed in him. So to fully appreciate the fact that this is the one story of scripture, we have to be willing to do something when we're studying it. We have to be willing to look forward and backward. There are so many things in the Old Testament that complete our understanding of things in the New Testament. And there are so many things in the books of the New Testament that show how God's plan from the Old Testament came to fullness. In order to make it possible for us to see this theme, see this one continuous story, God did a couple things. He protected his word for thousands of years in some amazing ways. And secondly, he protected the individuals and the generations 
who would create the line from Adam to Jesus. All along the way, those individuals, their stories instruct us. Their experiences show us God's love and sovereignty and provision. And so when we land in the last five verses of the book of Ruth, and they read like this, if you want to open your Bible, I know you're dying to read that genealogy again. Here's what they say. This is the genealogical record of their ancestor, Perez. Perez was the father of Hezron. Hezron was the father of Ram. Ram was the father of Aminadab. Aminadab was the father of Nashan. Nashan was the father of Salmon. Salmon was the father of Boaz. Boaz was the father of Obed. Obed was the father of Jesse. Jesse was the father of David. Now, so here we are. We're with Ruth and Boaz. And the truth is that Ruth and Boaz are really just very ordinary little Hebrew people. You know, she's poor. She's, she's gleaning in the fields when we meet her. And Boaz, although he is well known in Bethlehem, let's keep that in perspective. This is Bethlehem. This is a small village in, in Israel. And Boaz is a farmer. So he's a man of integrity. We all like Boaz. Everybody likes Boaz, right? Okay. We all like Boaz, but the truth is, Boaz is just a regular guy. He's overseeing his crops and his workers, and he's had success at it, and he's a good man, and he runs his fields well. So he's a kinsman redeemer, but he's not like a world-famous guy, right? He's Boaz. All right. So, when we read through this genealogy and we get to that very last verse, which says, Salmon begat Boaz, begat, there's my King James Version popping right out there. Boaz fathered Salmon, or I'm sorry, Salmon fathered Boaz, Boaz fathered Obed, Obed fathered Jesse, Jesse fathered David. Okay, at that moment right there, okay, here's our tendency. Yeah, 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 yada, yada, yada. You know, one more genealogy. But what we all need to do at that moment, when we read, when we read Boaz, Obad, Jesse, David, we need to go, wait, what? And here's why. We need to pause right there. And we need to say, wait a minute. I need to look back for a second and I need to look forward for a second because there are some things that start to gel right here. Boaz is a descendant of Judah, who was one of the sons of Jacob, one of the 12 tribes of Israel. Judah was the father of Perez. If you want to read the the story of Perez, um, it's not a pretty story, it's in Genesis 38. And I wanna give you that reference today because some of you may have some questions about Perez. And then we have Salmon, who just happened to marry Rahab, who was a prostitute in the city of Jericho, who hid the spies so that the spies could go back 
and tell Joshua that the Israelites would in fact be able to conquer the city of Jericho. And then they rescued her when that conquering occurred and she married Salmon who fathered Boaz. One more example of a woman who God brings into the family and counts her as a valuable member of this lineage, but she was one more outsider brought to the inside. Now, it could be that knowing that story of Rahab gave Boaz some of the grace and the understanding that he had toward Ruth. And the fact that their son Obed will be the grandfather of David is highly significant. And why is that? It's highly significant because this is David. This is the David of whom we read throughout Scripture, who God describes as a man after his own heart. This is the David who, in spite of his sin, which was sometimes great, he always is a man of repentance and obedience. He is the one who, in Romans 15, 12, Paul names as the one whose heir will rule over the Gentiles and they will place their hope in that heir. That heir is Jesus Christ. And who are those Gentiles? Us, exactly. And this is the same one, the same David, who in Revelation twenty two sixteen, which you looked up in your lessons this morning, please don't miss this in the significance of that scripture. This is the same David of whom Jesus says in Revelation twenty two sixteen, that he, I, Jesus says of himself, I am both the source of David and the heir to David's throne. Hear the significance of that, ladies. Jesus was with God from the beginning. He is part of the creation team who brings David into existence. And then, lo, many years later, he is the very one who is born through the lineage of David to come to earth and live as a God-man. Now, what we see through all of this and through these lineages, and please don't forget this, is God knows every one of those people. He knows every one of their names. And just like you and me, their names are written on his hand. And what we need to realize is that the majority of them were ordinary people living ordinary lives. And God will use us as ordinary people living ordinary lives to do extraordinary things just like he used them. So let's finish up now. And I want to finish with this quote right here. This is from David Strain, who wrote a wonderful book that explains and talks through the book of Ruth. And he says this, What is the book of Ruth really? Isn't it the gospel of Jesus Christ, the servant king, who makes outsiders his bride and redeems them by means of the cross? The genealogy here is designed to rivet our gaze upon the child of the child, of the child, of the union 
between Boaz and Ruth, who would be the final servant, the savior of the world. I love that quote because it states very succinctly exactly what is in the book of Ruth. It is, in fact, the gospel. It is the story of the kinsman redeemer. And it is concluded with the genealogy that is the pathway for us that illuminates, like the lights on the runway, the plan that God started in Genesis and doesn't finish until we get to Revelation. Our salvation offered in Jesus is not a mere transaction. It's a union. It's a commitment, very much the way we think of marriage. You know, throughout Scripture, we see um, Jesus' relationship with the church compared to a marriage, the way a bridegroom cares for a bride. It is a profound and personal relationship. So to know the saving grace of God is to know Jesus. John 17, 3 says, this is eternal life, that you may know God and Jesus, whom he has sent. And as Chris has reminded us, and Nick, on the last several Sunday mornings, as we make our way through the book of Romans, no matter how religiously observant we are, or how moral we are as people, the real question comes down to something very straightforward. And that question is, do we know Jesus Christ? Do we know the one who's at the center of the plan? Do we know the one to whom the pathway leads? So if we think back for just a moment about the lights on the runway, think about the light of Jesus, the bright in the morning star. It leads us past distractions, leads us past ideas and other things that are just possibilities, and it lands on the real truth that God always had one plan to send Jesus and to give us lifelong spiritual nourishment through him and an eternal home. So let's go back as we finish up to this theme that we've had all semester. And let's say together what is true about the book of Ruth and what we know is true about ourselves and about the way God uses each one of us in his plan. So say it with me. God is the purposeful author and hero of our story. He defines our identity and invites us into his influence. Well done. So let me pray for you ladies before you have your groups. Lord, we thank you so much today for the book of Ruth. We thank you for the privilege that you have given us of diving into your word. And God, will you um, bless us this morning as we talk about um, this idea of the way that you have framed genealogies in scripture for us so that we know, Lord, that you are aware of every one of these individuals. Will you um, bless us this morning, Father, in our conversations and our discussions. And Lord, um, we just thank you in advance for all that you will show us today, and we thank you for what you have shown us this semester. 
And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.